the Productize Podcast. My name is Brian Castle. Thanks for tuning in today. You're going to hear my conversation with Jake Jorgovan. He's the founder of Lead Cookie. They are a productized lead generation service focused on LinkedIn. That is definitely a social network that I am not totally up to speed on. <laughs> I've had a profile on it forever, for years, but it's just abandoned and not kept up to date. And I know that there is so much more that I can be doing on that platform to connect and network and you know generate leads for, for my businesses, but it's always just sat on the back burner. So today I took the opportunity to really pick Jake's brain on this. He's the expert and he's been able to, to build and launch a really successful productized service offering in a really short uh, amount of time. Just, you know, we talked about his very first four months of going from zero to, uh, I think it was like seventeen twenty thousand $20,000 a month in recurring revenue on this, um, maybe more at this point. So yeah, we're going to go through that whole process of how he built this up, how he uh, validated it, how he got his first customers, how he figured out the process to deliver it. And then I did spend some time picking his brain about what I should be doing with my LinkedIn account to get my lead gen flowing through that channel. Really insightful conversation. I think you're going to enjoy it. Here you go. Here is my talk with Jake Jorkerman. Enjoy. Okay, I'm here with Jake Jorgovan. Jake, how's it going? Pretty good. Thanks for having me on here, Brian. Yeah, great to have you on. I'm excited to talk to you today and hear your story. I know that uh, the past year has been a bit of a whirlwind, if you will, in, in your business. We're going to get the whole story and go back even further than that. Um, so I understand you are the founder of Lead Cookie. That is spelled just as it sounds, leadcookie.com. Tell us about it. You know, what what is the elevator pitch, if you will, or how do you kind of describe your business when folks ask you about it today? Yeah, so basically Lead Cookie is a done-for-you LinkedIn prospecting service. So basically we take over your LinkedIn account and start conversations between you and your ideal customers. Uh, so that's the the quick high-level elevator pitch of it. Um, do you want any more, yeah, do you want more details or go into the background or where do you want to take uh, that next? Oh, well, we'll, we'll get into all of it here. <laughs> all right. Um, but uh, as we were just talking before the recording, I was saying how, you know, LinkedIn for me has always been that like that one channel that, yeah, I have a profile on it, but I just totally ignore it. I haven't kept up to date with like the best practices or, or all the latest tactics. And, and I know that there's a lot of potential with LinkedIn that just feels so untapped. So I think, you know, at some point in this interview, I just want to kind of pick your brain about how you're using LinkedIn. I mean, my basic understanding in your business, what you do through Lead Cookie is basically some prospecting through LinkedIn. So you go into a client's LinkedIn account and and then what happens after that? Like, can you describe like what, where it goes? Yeah, yeah. So it's basically, um, and I'm happy to kind of get into more of just like the high level LinkedIn aspects of it, but basically our service and more detail of what we do is we go in. Uh, when we onboard a customer, we t go through and optimize their LinkedIn profile and just get that set up so it's ready to convert. Um, it's going to hook people's attention. The copy's written in a good way. They have a good tagline. And then after they're optimized, basically what we do is we start sending connection requests out to up to about 100 prospects per day, um, which is about where you can kind of safely go with LinkedIn after you kind of um, over a period of time and you kind of slowly ramp up to that. And then um, what we do is we then drip a series of messages to them over time. And we don't, we're not super salesy in our pitch. It's very much conversational. If you actually do sales pitches in connection requests, you can actually get your account flagged. Um, and so we're pretty like casual. It's like a very conversation starting type of approach. Um, and we basically then drip those messages out over time. 
And uh, to that, we had one other piece where we kind of ramp up people's traffic using some fun plugins out there. But um, that's kind of the genesis of what we do. It's really, really simple, basic stuff. But it's also very monotonous and repetitive. And because it's built on LinkedIn and LinkedIn doesn't really like to – it doesn't have an API or let people plug into tools – um, it, we basically kind of have built a process around doing a lot of this manual work for people. Very cool. You know, I'm jotting down a lot of like specific questions about how to use LinkedIn, some best practices, like what kind of tools and things are you using in, in your service? But I'm going to save that stuff for the end because I think for the bulk of this interview, I'm more interested in your story and how you built this up. So leadcookie.com, before we get back into the backstory of it, like what does it look like today? Can you give us a, a sense of the size, revenue, that sort of stuff? Yeah. So other than myself, we have eight people on board at this point. So we have four people in the USA, and then we have four people abroad, and we're consistently ramping up additional people as well. So it grew rather quickly, which has been a little crazy. It's We literally um, just recently publicly launched um, and this is we're recording this here in mid-October. So, but we were I was basically have been launching this in stealth mode for about four months and hadn't really put it out publicly yet. So revenue-wise, we're at eighteen thousand six hundred and ninety-six dollars in monthly recurring revenue right now. But again, we just kind of went through the launch, and there's a ton in the pipeline, so it's growing rather quickly. But at the same time. We also have some learnings that I'll share with product market fit and uh, a quite a bit of churn at like the, the three-month mark. So <laughs> uh, some learnings there as well. Well, that is super impressive. I mean, about four months and most of that time in quote-unquote stealth mode to go from zero to, to 18K in recurring revenue. That's pretty damn impressive. And to grow a team <laughs> up to eight people in that time too. I mean, uh, I haven't grown the team that quickly in that short of time before. So that, that's pretty impressive. So we're recording this in October 2017. Obviously, the service will, I'm sure, will continue to change over time and, and things. But are you able to give a sense of like your packages and pricing? Yeah. So it's um, pretty simple right now. We just have one price point. I mean, we may have tried to experiment with others, but it um, hasn't quite just felt right. And so our price point right now is $1,800 a month. Uh, and we then we also require a three-month commitment, which is uh, a learning we had along the way um, for a number of reasons I'll share. But then we also do a 30-day money-back guarantee with it. Um, I've come from doing consulting and sales and marketing consulting for a while, and I've always hated marketing services that didn't actually produce results or people would sell things that weren't actually the right tactic that someone needed, but they just sold it anyway. And so I was really adamant about if as I go into this, I want to do a money back guarantee. So that way we're basically as a team, we're only going to sell this to people that it's actually going to work well for and it's going to produce results. And if it doesn't produce the results, they can take a refund. I noticed that on your website, it says, actually, it's right there in your topmost headline. It says, guaranteed high-quality leads in 30 days or your money back. I mean, that is pretty powerful right in the headline. It's not just like a small print. Um, pretty cool. And, you know, I that's something that I know that a lot of productized service businesses, myself included, were always hesitant to offer any sort of money back guarantee simply because it is a service and I have people to pay. And it's not like a software or an info product, educational product where it's kind of digital and it's self-serve and it's not the end of the world to have to give somebody their money back. It's not that much out of our pocket. Whereas when it's a service, there are people involved and of course they need to get paid. So I do want to kind of dig in a bit into, I mean, how do you square that? Like in those first 30 days, is it pretty uh, people intensive or how does that work? 
Yeah, so um, it is intensive. I mean, like we do the onboarding, which I'm doing a lot of those and starting to phase out of that now. Um, and then there, I mean, like our entire service is run by people. There's very, there's a couple of software pieces we built, but almost all of it is run by people. So, I mean, when, when someone does do a refund, it, it does suck and we, we take a hit for that. But basically what I do is I've, I turn a lot of the leads away, to be honest. I turn a lot of people away because I basically say, hey, I'm only going to sell this to you if I think it's going to work for you and going to produce results. And so I probably have turned away I would say almost like five out of every six leads that I get. Because for me, the way that I'm looking at that is, again, like we need to get the right product market fit and we have the right customers in place. We know this will work well. And then there's been a few cases we do. What we do is we do the onboarding and then we do a two-week check-in call with people to kind of align and make sure things are going well. And we've done uh, quite a few extensions, especially at this early stage when we're starting. We're like, oh, we'll extend your account another week because – it actually wasn't working well, or we needed to make some tweaks to get it working right. So there's been some of that, but like that's us kind of, that's worth it for us to extend that extra period of time to get them happy so that they stick around with us. So you're very selective in terms of the clients that you choose to sell to, which is super smart. I mean, that that is one of the biggest differences between, you know, going from a generalist consultancy or agency model to more of a productized service is understanding who your most ideal customer is. So for you, like, how do you define, what do you, what do you look for in an ideal customer for Leakly? Yeah, so that's growing over time. And we're, we're still kind of refining that. But what we've, we initially started off and it was like my audience. So it was a lot of agencies and consultants, a lot of very small boutique ones and not necessarily the best at sales. And so that led to a ton of problems because you have, if you give people leads and they don't close them, they still blame you, even if it's just because they're not good at sales. And like, <laughs> that's kind of a, uh, an annoying part of, I guess, running a, a lead generation business. And so what we found is whenever we started working with more established companies, uh, people that have sales teams or the CEO is the like lead salesperson and is trained and very experienced in sales, that's when we started to see it working really well. So we've kind of upped at a level to where we're looking at more um, companies that I would say at least 10 plus people. And then there's actual like sales infrastructure and processes in place. And it's not just kind of a a small boutique consultancy. Some of those will still work, but we try to kind of, um, we're we're more selective if we're going to take down on someone smaller. Got it. All right. So let's, let's start to go back a bit. I mean, before all of this, even going back to the very beginnings of your journey, uh, whether that's self-employment or entrepreneurial journey, like where do you come from? Where's your background and kind of expertise? Yeah. So my background was that the first company I ever did was in college and I ran a video production agency. And uh, we were the typical agency model where we did really high paying projects. My partner and I were tied to every single project and we had a really good run for about four and a half years, got some massive clients like Fidelity Investments and Hyundai and Walmart and all these really big accounts. But eventually we just kind of split and went separate ways. And my whole role in that was the sales and business development. And my partner's role was the actual creative technical execution. How many years were you doing that? Uh, I did that for four and a half years. So yeah, that was like the first business I had. And after that, I read the four hour work week, um, went on my fanatical, like traveling around the world for a year, just doing like web design or whatever people would pay me for as I tried to like pivot my career. And uh, after about I a year- I think everybody did that around 2007, 2008 when that book came out. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yep, yep, exactly. <laughs> 
so uh, in retrospect, it took me like probably about a good year and a half after I left the agency to be like, oh, I was actually really good at sales and business development. So why don't I just do that? And so what I then started doing was um, that's when I started up Outbound Creative, which was basically my platform for doing sales and business development for agencies and consultants. Well, actually, let me pause you real quick there. So, I mean, you did have like web design and development skills or kind of self-taught kind of stuff. Yeah, I taught myself them in that year of uh, transition. So I was basically for that year, I was freelancing, doing more and more web design and digital marketing work was more kind of, I guess, what I taught myself over the course of that year. So interesting, because I mean, I come from a background in web design, front end development, WordPress and stuff. But in that world, it was very rare to come across somebody who, or at least a, a few years back, uh, who had the sales and marketing interest or expertise. So it's interesting that you had that balance early on. Yeah, what I what I honestly originally initially figured out was I was actually really bad at web design and uh, the digital marketing side of it. Well, I guess it wasn't that bad. I was bad at the web design, which was more, most of what I sold. Um, I wasn't bad, but I wasn't good. I mean, but I was really good at getting projects. And that's again when like the epiphany came was like, oh, I would be doing much better if I consulted and helped like bigger agencies. Cause I was just like, at some point I was like, wait, I'm doing five, $6,000 websites. And a couple of years ago I was selling like multi hundred thousand dollar video projects. And so uh, <laughs> at some point had that like epiphany of like, I am really good at the sales stuff, but I'm like struggling to implement basic CSS on a Squarespace site. So <laughs> just kind of, could have maybe gone the web design agency route, but decided to just go in the consulting route instead. So what was Outbound Creative? Uh, Outbound Creative was started off as a first attempt at a productized service when I tried to do physical packages and kind of this, um, and like, oh, I was, for a while, I tried to do these like physical package campaigns, which actually signed quite a few clients. We did some campaigns, had some good results. We were literally mailing like cakes and Donald Trump pinatas to people and um, like ridiculous, like elaborate, like carved boxes and things to get people's attention in the mail for really high profile customers. And for those who aren't familiar with this, so it's like the, the lumpy mail technique it goes by, right? Where you, you send something lumpy, like a package in a pile of mostly junk mail the package, of course, is going to get their attention to make them want to open it. They open it, and then and then they see what? What, what did you put in there? It was like, I mean, one, our, probably our most successful campaign was we did a cake, and then on top of the cake, we would put a URL. So it would be like... Like a real cake? Yeah, like a physical cake. Like we would, like we would coordinate with local bakeries, put a URL on top, and it would send them to a landing page um, where we'd have a video with like a 60-second pitch for them. And so that was like probably our most successful one out of all those that we did and i gotta wait i gotta hear more about that real quick <laughs> <laughs> go ahead go ahead uh i mean were these like highly uh like hand-picked like highly qualified leads like you're not gonna buy and send a, a whole cake to thousands of different prospects right like how did we would do literally 10 customers or 10 prospects a month um and ultimately like it worked and i still adamantly believe in these tactics but the cost to acquire is really, really high because even with that, you might you send out 10 cakes, you're going to drop about a grand just in hard costs. And then you're going to look that maybe you'll book three, maybe four meetings out of those. Like people still just even if you send a cake to a really high level customer. And then the URL is personal, right? Like it's yep. yeah, we're yeah. talking to like this company. and Yeah. So but it was just uh, again, actually, I look back at that. And I'm like that I, that business could have worked. But I just had a wrong product market fit again. If I had gotten to the right customers for this, I think that would have worked. But I was just working with 
companies too small to swallow the costs of it and their lifetime values of customers weren't big enough to make the ROI make sense. So, I mean, like with Outbound Creative, like what was your, how did you describe that business? You consulted with web design and development agencies on helping them get more leads. And then to do that, you did a variety of different tactics, like the cake idea and other stuff. Is that basically it? Yeah, that's kind of what happened after the, I pivoted from the, just doing the physical package outreach. I just basically turned it into a consultancy where I was doing everything from cold email campaigns doing like LinkedIn outreach. I was helping people just like put together events and do outreach to get people there. I was just doing like whatever. It almost became, it basically turned into this consultancy of people who were really not good at the sales and marketing side. I would come to them, build a plan and then help select clients actually implement those plans. So you would kind of like coach them on how to implement your best practices. Yeah, pretty much. That was kind of what it became. And it was I mean, that's what I did for basically about three years, I'd say. And it it was good and it was successful. And I learned a lot through there and had a lot of really good relationships. But it was ultimately, it was just like I knew at some point that I was still just kind of like trading time for money kind of thing. Yeah. And so that was still like 100% you. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. Like, yeah, it, it eventually it, I had visions of it being bigger. And at some point I was like, I'm just going to accept this as a consultancy and I can make really good money doing this and I can help a lot of people. And so that's kind of what it became. And honestly, um, I kind of just accepted that for a period of time and was like totally fine with that. And for about a year, I just focused on building up the consultancy and got a really good income and had the business rocking. And then at some point, I was just like when I was like stable, not worried about money, I was like, okay, now is like a good time to let's try to build something bigger. I don't think I want to be an info marketer and turn this into courses that I sell or stuff like this. Like it just wasn't the route that saw myself or wanted to go. So I was like, I know I've got the skills to build another business. And so let's just take a swing at this. And that's kind of like, I guess, the the timeline leading all up to Lead Cookie. It's interesting because, you know, I've seen that model play out quite often where, uh, especially when somebody is successful in sales for agencies, they tend to go the info product route. I've seen that happen with several different people. Um, what was it about that route that, that kind of turned you off? It's just, yeah, I guess for me, it was just that I... I looked at it and I see so many more people growing in the space. And I just, I started writing a book and I just never finished the book. And I just kept putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. And I was just like, and eventually I just came to the realization that I just wasn't that motivated or I didn't, I don't love like connecting with my audience and stuff. Like I have an audience and it's cool when they write in, but I'm, that's just not what drives me as much anymore versus just having freedom. And so at some point it was just like, I, I don't know. It was just kind of this realization that that just, it wasn't the route I wanted to go. I like, like what Kai Davis and Philip Morgan are doing. And I'm like, they're saying most of what needs to be said. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's so true. I was just thinking about this, you know, this past week. Sometimes I throw things onto my to-do list. Like these are things that I want to do this month. And then all of a sudden it's like, all right, I'm going to get this done this week. And then all of a sudden it's like the next week, still not done. And the next week, and I'm just not doing it. I'm doing other stuff. I'm just not doing the thing that I said I was going to do. And then I just come to the the conclusion that like, you know what, I'm just not motivated to do that. And there must be a reason for it. And yeah, it's good to kind of like figure out the underlying why behind doing something or choosing not to do something. So that's pretty cool. Um, so, okay. So you were pretty successful with the consulting model. You're working in sales and sales strategies for agencies. Um, that's chugging along just fine, but something is kind of pushing you into a new business model. Like what was it specifically that made you decide, like, I do need to change. And what was kind of the vision before you had the actual idea for your next business? 
Yeah. So it was, again, just kind of that is that realization that I didn't want to create courses or anything like that or focus on the audience as much. And, and so at that point, basically what I did was like, okay, I'm just going to sit down and brainstorm a bunch of different business ideas that we could put together. And I had a, I had one other one that I was working on at the time that also kind of failed. But then I basically just started like sat down, had an exercise of just like, what is a bunch of business concepts? And um, one that I kind of just vaguely put down was LinkedIn marketing agency. And I thought about, because I kept thinking about that, I was like, there's all these people that specialize in Facebook ads. But I'd also realized like I just use LinkedIn. You mentioned that you kind of neglected yours, but I've always used it a lot. And I've gotten business from it, from just posting on there, from just being active and just stuff like that. I would just naturally get business. So that was one thing where basically that's kind of where the idea started was just that like LinkedIn marketing agency. Some niche. So it was like one, one of a handful of different ideas that you were considering. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Are you able to share like any of the other ideas that you either put down or tried and failed? And I mean, I guess I'm also trying to ask like, was there a particular criteria? Because I know that I've gone through this process a couple of times when I'm transitioning to a new business. Like before I even come up with the ideas, I have like a list of check boxes that my new ideas have to check, if that makes sense. Yeah, I didn't quite necessarily have a checkbox, um, but I'll, I'll share like some of the other. Like, so actually I had an, another idea that did fail. So I spent probably... It was like on and off for probably about four months prior to this one. I tried this other one called Agency Scout, where the idea was that a lot of agencies turn away their low-value leads. You'll have someone who says, oh, we don't take websites under $10,000. My old concept was, oh, when they turn that lead away, give them to us, we'll pair it with someone, and then we'll take a like a 50% of the finder's fee, which sounded great in concept, but just no one actually would send us the leads. So <laughs> I tried that one for a while, and... I, it all sounded great. Everyone I told it to was like, that's brilliant. But then just like in reality, just no one would follow through on it. So that one, I kind of eventually just let phase out. Um, Especially because that's like a that's like a marketplace idea, two sides. It's very tough. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's kind of like a marketplace setup. So it was just, it was just having a lot of resistance. Um, I can't remember too many of the other ones I had. I think like the LinkedIn one, I was like still pushing on Agency Scout, trying that one. Then the LinkedIn idea popped up and my wife's like, no, don't get distracted. And then like she like left for the weekend or something and I just like knocked it out. <laughs> Even the LinkedIn idea, I mean, before we get into how you launched it and the marketing of it, isn't that kind of part of what you would do for a client in Outbound Creative or is it kind of different? Um, it is. So, um, I mean, it, it like fell as like one piece of the consulting or what we would do, but I'll... So, uh, yeah, and that's kind of always what I was looking for in the consulting. I always kind of had my eyes open for this in terms of like as I was doing consulting, I was looking for tactics that could be repeatable and systematized. So that was like that has been on my radar. I wrote that down like I wrote down the statement somewhere like two years ago, like I'm going to find a repeatable outbound process and turn it into like a productized service. And like I've just been like literally looking <laughs> since then and finally found something that I felt comfortable with. But basically what happened is like when I had that idea for the LinkedIn marketing agency, um, I like I said, I had seen some results for LinkedIn, but it was all kind of random. So I was just like, okay, I'm just going to go learn from all the thought leaders, everyone out there. I'm just going to research everything and basically become an expert on LinkedIn and then figure out like what tactics we could actually systematize. And that's basically how I kind of like learned everything that we're doing now and put together the whole service. So what were those first steps? Like, I'm actually curious about the research you did for, I mean, aside from your own experience and having success on LinkedIn yourself, where else did you go to learn all the best tactics and strategies? Yeah. So I basically just started um, Googling around, figuring out who all the thought leaders were, what other like 
influencers were out there writing or speaking or putting out courses and stuff on LinkedIn, like just went out there and found everything. And I just started putting together like a running list of all the top LinkedIn tactics that people were using. And I just kind of started looking through those and figuring out which ones are actually something that would like be a service people would pay for, you know, and like try to, and just kind of went through that. So it was literally just kind of diving through all of the influencers and thought leaders. And there's tons of people that have been doing coaching for LinkedIn for years. And so they've been like figuring out the tactics already, but they don't actually implement them for people. So what I ended up landing on is not even like some crazy new innovation that I did. It's taken a bunch of other people's ideas and just turning it into a a done for you service. Yeah. And, you know, I see that again and again as, as a model where somebody's teaching a really solid idea or just a lot of people are doing a certain strategy, you know, a, a strategy has become very popular and then just a, a very few set of people actually take that strategy and offer it as a done for you service. It's like a tried and true strategy that the market is already familiar with, but then actually putting it into place takes work, takes time, takes experts. And that's that's where a productized service just fits right in. I love it. So was that basically your first step or like what was your first step to go from idea to Let's see if people want to pay for this. Yeah. So first thing I did was started to test this out on my own account for my consulting practice. And so that was kind of like the first step to this was really just running these tactics on my own account, seeing the results they produced. And I was just like immediately like, whoa, this is really like blowing me away. I'm meeting with way larger agencies than I normally work with. I'm getting like tons of engagement. I was just like really impressed with like the seeing the results the tactics produced. And this was, you know, me positioning this for my normal consulting practice. So it wasn't me like trying to sell LinkedIn leads on LinkedIn, but it was actually my own like primary consulting practice that I was doing this for. So that was step one of like testing it on my own service. And I mean, like, did it work right away? Did your strategies actually work like within 30 days? Yeah, that literally, that's that's what I love about this is like the tactics work in 30 days. If they're going to work for somebody, you see results within the first 30 days every single time. So if, if they're not, then like we've got something wrong or we need to fix that. So and that's another great part about this tactic is it's just really quick results. So from there, what, what did you do next? So, yeah, I then um, was like, OK, I'm going to turn this into a service. And I put together a really terrible website called LinkedIn Panda which uh, violates like all their like all <laughs> trademark infringements. It was a horrible name. I just like threw it up. It was horrible. I just like had a screen capture where I just walked three people through like everything on like a six minute long screen share. And uh, it was really ugly. We were using like pipe drive at the time, which just like looked horrible and was a terrible system even to like run this type of approach on. And but I just like got it out there and like I launched it. I think I worked through like the weekend one time, got it out there. And I, then I just basically initially emailed it to about 10 people who were basically all past connections. So I thought it was a good fit for had a few of those sign up. Were those 10 people like people that you've worked with as clients before? Were they friends like people you met at conferences who like how did you find that first group? Yeah. So they were all basically people that I knew. Um, some of them were past clients. Some of those were leads that didn't convert, but we had a good relationship and rapport. And so, yeah, I basically, you know, I've kept, I keep a very good CRM. So I have this entire database. I think whenever I actually went back and, you know, for the, basically the past three months, I've only been selling to people that I know. And I think I had somewhere around like 300 contacts in there of people that I've had a sales call with at some point over the past couple of years. So basically I just started there and went through whoever I thought it would work well for. And that's kind of where I began selling at. I feel like this is a mark of like a, a true professional salesman. 
<laughs> yeah, like, like, and I, I think this is great. I mean, the, the fact that you have this CRM that spans the, what the last few years of, worth of, of your contacts across multiple businesses and consulting services, but you still keep all these records in an organized CRM. I mean, for me, I, I've started like business after business, and I and for whatever stupid reason, I basically start from scratch every time um, with all new funnels and all new CRMs and all new accounts. And I mean. Of course, my audience tends to kind of pass through from one thing to the next kind of naturally when I announce it. But to have a single CRM that kind of spans over time, I think that's really smart. Yeah, and it's just um, it's one of the things that I have always like. I, I think this came from uh, Dan from Tropical MBA at some point. He's just like the idea of spotlight marketing, the way that people do that with audiences, where they just build an audience and they point it to different offers and like shine the spotlight on it. I just look at it as it's like the same thing. It's like I've constantly like built new offers or new consulting or new services. I would just go back to this entire network I have. And it's literally I like I emailed every one of those people one on one. That was like three hundred people I went through by hand, but it's like it also got us our first eighteen thousand dollars. So yeah, definitely um a lot of work, but it's it's worthwhile to do. Yeah, totally. By the way, you mentioned a few times that you've built an audience. So I, I know you uh you host a, a very popular podcast. Is that basically where your audience comes from, your email list? Like how long have you been cultivating that? Yeah, so I've been blogging and podcasting for somewhere around three to four years now. Um, so I've got the Working Without Pants podcast, which has been for agencies and consultants. And then my blog is mostly all for agencies and consultants as well. Um, although this has been an, an interesting shift because I just officially launched it and I sent it out to my email list. But I, I feared this would happen. And like again, most of the leads I get are not actual ideal customers. And so um, that's one of the things I've been working with Alex McClafferty from WP Curve. He's been advising me on this along the way. And um, that's just one of the things they were talking about. Like, you know, whenever they launched, you know, you have the initial audience that they had built up and that Dan had built up. But those were not always the best customers. You know, those were just the like the low hanging fruit that's there. And so that's been the odd challenge that I've had or transition of realizing that um, a lot of my audience members come to me because they don't know how to sell. And that's kind of also what I've just described or we've identified when someone doesn't know how to sell, they're actually not a good customer for us because they won't close the leads we give them. So, you know, I've had that kind of similar challenge myself, especially when it comes to validation. So once you've built an audience for a while, there's always going to be people who are just, they trust you naturally because they've been following your stuff for a long time. And they may have a need that aligns with the product or the service that you're selling, but it's almost like they they pull the trigger or they buy it or they pre-buy it much faster than you would actually like. Yeah. You, you know, like you, you, you don't get the, um, you don't get the true objections that you would from selling to a complete stranger. You know, and, and when it comes to validating and perfecting the sales pitch, like you need those true objections. Yeah, no, that's totally true. And I, even at the start, I did some um, cold email campaigns just to like for the the LinkedIn outreach, just to try to have some cold sales calls, just to kind of validate that. And that was and none of those people actually bought. It was only like one small cold email campaign of like 500 people or so. But I had some of those calls, and it was just enough to be like, okay, wow, people are actually getting on the phone with me for this terrible looking website I have, and are actually interested in the services. Like this again, there's like some validation there that helped. And it showed me also some of the objections. Some of those people didn't buy because they're like, I'm not going to trust a stranger with my LinkedIn. But yeah, very, it's like doing, I think like doing cold outreach right away is actually like a great learning experience as well because you're, you're forced to sell to people that don't know you. 
Actually, I guess if we could just dive into some of the LinkedIn tactics briefly here before we move on in the, in the story. Are you using LinkedIn for cold outreach through LinkedIn's platform or are you going into your own contacts or your clients' contacts that they've already connected with on LinkedIn and, and kind of reaching out to them? How does that work? Yeah, so basically we sign up for a sales navigator account, which is like their premium version that gives you these really advanced search criteria. So you can get super crystal clear, say I want to target, you know, companies in the marketing industry ranging from 11 to 50 and I want only people with the, you know, CMO title or whatever, you can get like really crystal clear and you can add keywords or negative keywords in there. Um, So we basically use the sales navigator to get really crystal clear on a search queue of who we want to target. And then we basically add them as connection requests. So we don't do anything with the existing contacts because that's too hard for us to know if um, it'd be like if someone took over my account and sent you a message, Brian, it'd be like, well, we, we clearly know each other. So that'd be a little awkward. So we basically always do it with like kind of cold outreach to new customers. And what we're really creating in terms of value is new conversations between them and their ideal prospects. Got it. Okay. So back to the story, you you had that small group of 10 friends or or not friends, but acquaintances through professional, you know, working together out of that group, like how many people, uh, what was your feedback from that group? Yeah, so the the very first customer we signed took the refund. <laughs> so that was oh, like really? <laughs> a little discouraging, but it, it was really because of like misaligned expectations. And you had that 30-day guarantee from the very beginning. Yep, exactly. Um, and it was actually a past customer of mine, so it was like fine. We had like good relationship, but one of the biggest struggles we've had is like explaining the service fully to everyone and setting expectations. And so that's something that I'm literally continuing to try to like learn and get better at. And we've tried to create materials to prep people for and make sure they like understand it because we don't book phone calls for people. Basically we have our like predefined scripts that we drip out and like, it's almost like a drip email campaign. But as soon as someone forces us out of those scripts, we basically hand it over to the, our customers to actually nurture that lead and book the phone call. And so that was like a, a sticking point for a few early customers where I didn't make that distinction or they struggled to actually nurture the leads or didn't realize how much work it was going to be on their part. So there was a lot of expectation setting early on that I ended up having to kind of like um, handle. Interesting. You know, and, and that is so true that setting expectations and really refining that onboarding process, the early days of a new client's experience is so crucial. I mean, we're like three years into audience ops and we're still tweaking that whole onboarding process. Like we we continually come back to those very first weeks and like, how can we make this better? How can we answer these common questions or nip these issues in the bud? And a while back, we improved our manager's process from like managing a new client from week to week and and the messages that they send them. And then more recently, we added like a welcome video and a welcome form to make sure we get all the information right in front of them from day one and set a really good tone. And this is how we work together. This is how to position for success. And that's literally, uh, I think every time we made an improvement, we would like cut down our churn, you know, by 30% or, or more. And it's been really good. Yeah, that's the uh, stuff we're still building at this point. It's a learning process every step of the way. So, <laughs> yeah. And so early on, like in that very beginning, was it still 100% you? This was before you started hiring people, just kind of uh, nailing down the process? Yeah. So I had one guy on my team who was amazing, who's been actually working with me for years, even when consulting. He just handled. Basically, he was just like honestly doing like glorified assistant work for years, um, but he was always way more capable than that. And he was really like an operations guy at heart. But every time I kept starting something and failing, he got kind of sad because he's like, oh, I'm good at operations. And then I would just like be back to consulting. So um, he was on board, which helped because he is like the perfect complement to me. 
Um, I'm like a quick start person. I, I'm good at starting things and then moving on to something else. So I can like, that's really, I've done like personality profiling and that which has been helpful to learn that and understand that. So I like spin things up, I hand it to him and then he like turns it into a system that we run and operate with. So he was on board from the start. And literally the first thing I did was just have him start running the accounts. I was like, okay, I'll onboard, get the strategy, you run the accounts. That's how we started. And then we eventually started filling in with some assistance to help him. Um, those were overseas. And then quickly it got to the point where he was beyond capacity. And we hired a, a first person in the USA to basically be kind of an account manager. And so then he started kind of, then we hired a second account manager literally almost like two weeks after that. Um, and he's so that he could kind of step back into an operational role and then train a lot of the the VAs overseas who do a lot of the manual repetitive parts of it. Got it. And the account managers, are they like talking to clients? Yep. So yeah, the account managers are talking directly with customers. They give them the daily updates. They say, hey, here are the leads in your inbox. Uh, if they have any questions and stuff, they kind of facilitate those and everything. So yeah, they're the, kind of like the main points of communication with the clients right now. I've been doing all the count strategy and the um, like kind of handling relationships at this point whenever it's kind of like any strategic change. But um, I've been grooming one of the um, account managers to kind of take over that role for me at this point. Um, and she's been absolutely awesome. So I've been trying to get that off my plate, but that's kind of been the the delegation is for the past you know four months. I've basically been doing all the strategy myself, and that's what I'm currently trying to get off my plate. So. Can you take us through, like, what, what does it look like from a client's perspective when they get started with you? Yeah, so um, when they get started, basically the first thing we do is we book um, a 90-minute onboarding call. I'm ideally wanting to sh shrink that down to 60 minutes and also get some, like, pre-created videos and surveys and stuff to kind of streamline that. But again, like I said, we're still building that all out. Um, but in that 90-minute call, basically we come prepped um, – during the sales call, I can honestly get 90% of the information I need to strategize their campaign. And we basically then put together like the search cues of who they're targeting. We put together suggestions on optimizations to their profile. And we basically get all that approved by them in their onboarding call. And we get access to their LinkedIn account and basically just get in alignment on everything, the strategy of who we're targeting and really the messaging and what we're going to say. So that's really kind of what the whole goal of the onboarding call is and what we are trying to align and do there. And then basically every Monday, we use them, we start new accounts. So if we did your onboarding call on a Thursday, the following Monday, we'd start your account. And um, basically, uh, at that point, that's when the account managers take over. And they basically will send updates each day saying, hey, you got messages from so-and-so person. They responded, you know, hop in there to LinkedIn and you know, jump or like respond to them there. So when you're sending messages out through LinkedIn, your client will receive a reply in their LinkedIn account, which should also hit their inbox too, right? Like they'll get a notification. Yeah. So we, we have to tell a lot of people to turn off the notifications because it'll quickly start getting um, – the way LinkedIn works, every time someone accepts a connection request, it starts a new message thread. So you'll have like 40 new message threads every day and only probably like three to six actual responses. So what we do is we actually go through and we clean out that inbox every single day. We mark all of those as red, and then we basically have a CRM that we track all of the actual responses to and then hand those over to our clients so that they can jump in and just pay attention to the, the few that actually responded in a personalized way. Got it. And in LinkedIn, like how does LinkedIn messaging like that compare to just regular cold email outreach? You know, like when I've run cold email outreach in the past, like you get some responses that are kind of qualified, if you will, that turn into real conversations, but many who are just like, don't email me again. 
you yeah. fucking asshole. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I, I mean, I'd imagine that in LinkedIn, there. I'm guessing there's less of that because just people would just ignore it more easily than they would with email. Yeah. So there's a, a few pieces. One is that we're not doing a sales pitch. It's really like conversational. So we're saying things like, hey, so you also work in the franchise industry. Thought I'd reach out to connect or something. So it's very casual um, in terms of that sense. And we've literally, I think we've like, we have gotten under five negative responses so far, like ever on any of our accounts. Um, you either get silence or people respond in like engaging conversation. It's really different than cold email because it's like a chat platform. So literally like you can, like some of our clients will just see a response and they'll just jump right in. And then they're just chatting back and forth in like real time with the customers. And like people respond, they don't like write a full email message back. There's like, hey, tell me more about what you do or, you know, something like that. It's just, it's, it's a different engagement. And my whole theory is that you have an audience that'll respond to cold email. And then this is just another channel. And some people might respond to LinkedIn, but other people don't even check it. So I look at it as it's just kind of another channel to reach people through. Got it. So can we dive in a bit more into the strategy then? Like, so what are you sending in these emails? I'll give kind of the high level overview of the scripts, but then if um, on my website at uh, jake-jorgman.com, there's a blog called a how-to guide for uh, LinkedIn lead generation. And I literally give away all the scripts and like this entire strategy from beginning to end. Because if people want to go implement it on their own, they can. So that's out there if anyone wants to test these out on their own and I encourage it. Cool. We'll definitely link that up in the show notes. Awesome. Yeah, the, the basic is like the first message is something that's like, hey, saw we worked in, you know, the similar franchise in the industry or I was looking into other interesting marketers and came upon your profile or just something like basically connecting a common interest and just saying like, hey, thought I'd reach out to connect or something like that. Very casual. And then we put your name and then we put like a tagline there, which is your standard positioning tagline where we'll create something like one of our most successful clients. Um, was Juliet Schmerler, and her tagline was, I help franchisors attract franchisees. And we just like crushed it with that because like right there, when we reach out to franchisors and start the conversation, they're like, oh, that's a serious problem I have. And not many people approach me with that. So it worked really, really well because she was narrowly niched. But that's kind of the first one is that just reach out to connect. Once they accept that, some people will just respond and start a conversation. But if they don't, we say, hey, Thanks for connecting. Uh, like, have a great week. Or let me know if you ever want to talk more. Something, again, really short and sweet, casual. You're basically just trying to, like, open, let them open the dialogue um, is kind of the whole, like, mindset behind it. Again, it's the psychology that people like to buy. They don't like to be sold is kind of the psychology behind this whole approach. So just by, and this might be my own, like, ignorance when it comes to LinkedIn, but, like, just by connecting with someone, like, literally, like, like making the friend connection on, on LinkedIn, that will actually invite them to... Like what incentivizes them to actually reach out to me? Because I just see an inbox full of like connections and I just like kind of check them all and then move on with my day. Yeah. And that's the point where um, that's why we kind of then will drip messages. So some people just accept them and don't say anything. Some people accept them and respond. But if someone accepts them and doesn't say anything, that's when we'll send you a message as well saying, hey, thanks for connecting. Have a great week. And that again, like bumps an actual message thread live in your inbox again. So that kind of takes it one step. And then well, basically, two weeks after that, we'll drip out a useful article or some sort of helpful piece of content, which I'm sure you're familiar with in your world. <laughs> and then... Um, and with your clients, are you taking a piece of content that lives on their site or you find a, a relevant piece of content from elsewhere? Uh, we've done both. Um, we just say, like, if we're going to send their own content, it's got to be really good, engaging content. 
or just it's just got to be like what I say with these it's got to be like groundbreaking it's got to be positioning and it's got to be something actually interesting to read so I don't just want like a you know five tips kind of article um, it's actually got to be kind of like some real industry thought leadership or something along those lines cool so you send that and then and then what happens after that yeah then basically one more week after that then we'll make a meeting ask and then like actually make like a hey thought it'd be worthwhile to connect and have a quick call so that's kind of the the general flow and the the strategy for what we do. Again, it's all on like on that blog article, but it's really simple. And about eighty percent of the results come from those first two messages you send. And so you're aiming for around a hundred message cold messages per day to send out. Yeah, that's about the max that you can safely do on LinkedIn. Some people we do less because they just bandwidth to handle responses. Um, this also will pull in some unqualified people as well at times. So, you know, but yeah, maximum we'll do up to about a hundred a day. And so the strategy that's unique for each individual client is like A, figuring out who you're going to target and like the settings when you're targeting on LinkedIn and then B, the actual messages, like how much of that stuff is templated and how much is like unique to each client? Yeah. So we've got, I would say like a framework that we work people through. Um, We definitely have to like do their um, profile optimizations custom. And then we definitely have to like kind of create their scripts, but they're built off on a framework. Um, and again, like finding out who we target, that is very customized for each client. And there's that's where constantly, it's probably like our biggest battle because LinkedIn's like a self-selecting network. So people fill in their own profiles. So there's always some like room for error because of that. So got it. Well, you know, as we start to uh, wrap up here, I mean, it's really pretty impressive what you've been able to build here. I mean, I, I want to pick your brain all day about LinkedIn. There's so much that I should probably improve. <laughs> um, but um what else do you think we should cover here? Like any like kind of lessons learned here is like while you're in your first four months? Yeah, I would say one of the um, the biggest lessons I learned as I kind of wrote down a handful of things was just learning where your weaknesses are and your strengths. Um, again, now working with Alex McLafferty, he kind of pointed this out of just figuring out like what I hate doing, what I don't enjoy doing. And so I did like these personality tests and I actually did like, I don't know if you've ever done an activity um, like inventory where you look at like all the activities you do in a week and then write ones ones you actually love and give you energy and which ones you hate but i did that very quickly at the start and it helped me a lot to just figure out what do i need to hire what do i need to get off my plate and just having that awareness of where my strengths are um, not just for myself but being able to communicate that to my team and just say hey i'm good at starting things but if you give me something i have to do on a weekly basis i will fail at it no matter how simple like (laughs) And so um, that awareness and understanding where your strengths are as like the the CEO or the founder has been super, super helpful. Very cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I haven't really done too many of those tests myself, but it's something that I am super aware of. I'm a big note taker. Like I have a journal that I write in pretty regularly and I'm just constantly reevaluating. Like and I do like a monthly note, which is like a check-in like with myself, basically just being like, what's going well? What do I absolutely hate doing? What's kind of frustrating? What, you know, what were the big wins from the last week or the last month? And uh, just staying in touch with that is super helpful because then you can actually work on the things that make your whole business and whole operation better. So, yeah. And I'll point one quick resource there that I would actually recommend for you as well, Brian, is it's this book. um, It's like a workbook, uh, physical like product is, by strategic coach, this guy called Dan Sullivan, and it's called Unique Ability. And it's like, that's the process I went through to do that activity inventory and all that stuff. And it's, it's been awesome. I have like literally can't speak highly, more highly of that as it's helped me kind of really get clear on that. Awesome. We'll, we'll link that up as well. 
Well, Jake, this has been awesome. You know, we're gonna uh, we're gonna get all these links in- included. Lead Cookie is the service. Your personal site is jake jorgovancom We'll get that linked up as well. Um, yeah, are those the best places where people can uh, connect with you? Yep, those are the best two spots, or you can find me on LinkedIn. So feel free to hit me up there as well. So of course, <laughs> awesome. Yeah, thanks a lot, Jake. Thanks for having me on here, Brian. Hey, before you go, have you checked out my YouTube channel yet? I've been posting short videos where I answer questions that come in from readers of my newsletter. You got a question that you want me to answer? It could be about business, entrepreneurship, productizing, life, whatever. Hit reply on any of the emails that I sent you recently and I'll add it to the queue. What's up? You're not on my newsletter yet? Well, get on it. Head over to my site, castjam.com. That's where you'll find it. Okay, until next time, see you.